Praise the Lord. The Lord is good. All right, let's take our declaration of understanding as we usually do as we begin to study again this morning. The Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 I said amen. amen. It's a beautiful year this year. You know that. 2023 is beautiful for you. Amen. Say amen if you believe it. Amen. I said 2023 is beautiful for you. Amen. And it's going to be you know, um, released through the entrance of the word of God. Amen. So the word that is necessary to release the beauty that God has prepared for you, you will receive it today in the name of Jesus. Alright, the Lord is good. Let's take our seats. Alright, good morning again everybody. And then Happy New Year again. Uh-huh. Uh, last year, that's 2022, we were teaching towards the end of the year. The last series we're on is the one we titled A New Man and New World. And I said then that if we do not finish, we will continue. And after I thought about it, I realized that we are not finished. So we are going to continue. So if you're getting, if you're listening to this, just know that between the last one you listened to and this, there's like a six-week gap, right? Is it five or six-week gap? Yeah. Quite a number. You know, we had a seminar at the end of the year, so that did not join. So there's been some gap. So if you see see me or hear me repeating some things as if I'm preaching everything all over again, it's because I'm trying to remind those who are present here of where we were before we closed for the year. The Lord is good. Maybe what I should do is just to start the message for the day, and then as I'm going on, um, I will use the opportunity to remind us. That's, that's, uh, that's probably the best option. Okay, so let's start this morning by reading from the book of Matthew. I will just read both portions. When Jesus was teaching us about being the salt of the earth, I mean the light of the world. So we're going to read from the account of Luke, which is slightly different, and the one in Matthew. Let's read the one in Matthew first, okay? Matthew chapter 5, then we'll go to Luke chapter 14. From verse, okay, let me back up, please, into the middle of, um, from the beginning, but I'll jump rapidly to get to verse 13. So when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, the disciples came to him, he opened his mouth and began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He said, Blessed also are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. The gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied, that is, with the things, material things that others are pursuing. Blessed are the merciful, they shall obtain mercy, they shall receive mercy. The pure in heart, they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And he kept on going on and on on that, until we get to verse 13 now, where's our main story for today. 
He said, you are the salt of the earth. Please, I want you to understand this carefully. In fact, I just felt the weight of what I'm supposed to say now come upon me. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket. But what it does is to put on the lampstand and it gives light to all who are in the house. He said, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your father who is in heaven. Now, I'm just going to quickly go to the book of Luke, chapter 14. Don't bother opening there so as to save our time. Just to add something in verse 34. It said, therefore, salt is good. But if even salt has become tasteless, with what will it be seasoned? He says it is useless either for the soil or for the manure pile. That is, these are two areas where salt normally is useful. He said it is thrown out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So those are the two uh, portions there. All right, We'll tie the two together to get the full import of what Jesus is teaching or taught then about salt. Now, please listen to this carefully. I want us to listen to this carefully. Because people often forget. Alright? Life is spiritual. What did I say? You know, I thought about... No, many things just make me think. <laughs> That's what I do. Alright? I was thinking about, you know, wealth that is in, of, of nations. Okay? Countries. Peoples. Why are the so-called Western countries the way they are, why are African countries the way they are, why are some countries halfway in between and all of that. Then one scripture jumped in my head again, which of course we all know. Now first, before I tell you the scripture, remember, money is not cash. Are you getting my point? Wealth is not cash. Why are they looking like what you are saying is blasphemy? Government cannot just go and print more money. They do that. I'm not saying they don't do it. But they cannot just go and print more money and then we are richer. No. Money is just the way by which we exchange the things that are real wealth. Do you get my point? Money is just the way we exchange. For example, okay, let's just see the things I have around here. I have a, a mini book here, a magazine here. I have a face towel. I have a smartphone. I have a, um, my tab where I read my Bible from. Okay, they are all here. Now, if you want them, usually you will exchange Naira. All right, or any other currency for the stuff. The money you exchange is not wealth. It is these things that is wealth. I hope you're getting my point. It is this magazine that is wealth. It's the smartphone. It's my face towel. I can wipe my face, all right, when I'm sweaty. That's what this wealth is. Money is useless for anything apart from getting something. Do you follow my point? So if I gave you a hundred billion US dollars and I put it in the Sahara Desert, you are as poor as poor can be. Because you can't buy anything. If, it can, if that $100 billion cannot buy you a glass of water, you are dead in a day. By the time he mamas your brain for 48 hours, it's your corpse will pick. Yet you had $100 billion in cash right beside you. So no matter how much you print money, for those of you who like cryptocurrency, that's how you know that you're just dealing in foolishness. 
<laughs> Let me not even start on that one now. <laughs> as, it is, as it exists today. E-Naira is supposed to be a cryptocurrency, but that's real money because you can exchange it every day for value. But let's not go into that. In fact, let me not even start that at all. So that's why, you know, when we're young, why, why does government not just print money? There's no money. I will not the one printing the money. It doesn't, it's the, the, the money is not the paper. It's not the balance in our various accounts. It's not. It is the available thing that it can purchase. So that is why right now, for those who do not know, that's why there's inflation everywhere. Because worldwide, God has crashed production. I said God. He's angry with the world. His wrath has been activated by too much iniquity. Please get it. The wrath of God has been activated by excessive iniquity. So why there's inflation everywhere in the world, for those who do not know, is simply because governments are printing money, but production keeps going down. There's no way that production is going up. It's called breaking the staff of bread. Take a country like ours, food production is at the lowest that's been maybe in the last 10 years. Why? Because of headsmen from a crisis. You hear people say, I see right in the paper the other day, whether it's true or not, I know. Say, somebody said 10 hectares of cassava he planted. They, they went, everybody went on break Christmas time, the way we went on break here too. They came back, there was not one remaining. 10 hectares. He's blaming headsmen, but I'm beginning to suspect maybe he's thieves. Because they ate, according to him, they ate all the leaves and dug up the cassava. But let us assume it is headsmen. That's lack of production. I, this one I know as a matter of fact. I know people who can't go to farms anymore because of cows. Production is down. That's not the only thing. If you go to a place like Meduguri, that's it, Borno State, they used to, you know, they used to pack beans like, you know, they heap it like sand. They can't go to the farm because of bandits. Because of Boko Haram and ISIS. Now, what a lot of people don't realize is that that is how the staff of bread is being broken. Now, the population has to eat. So the money they have is now chasing fewer amount of food. So food becomes, it's simple economics. Food becomes more expensive. Then the number one exporter of grain worldwide was Ukraine. Between Russia and Ukraine, they produce enough wheat to feed, I think, one-third of the globe. Now, Ukraine can hardly farm because Russia is dropping bombs on them every day. For weeks, they couldn't export the grain. So the price of bread in Nigeria increased. In Egypt, it went through the roof. Why? Because most of, you know, this, of course, these are international markets. Even if you're not buying directly from Ukraine, the fact that production into the international market has gone down, prices will go up. Now, this is the funny part. What governments do to balance things is to print more money. When I was a child, they told me that was stupid. But governments have no choice now but to do it to make the population think they are getting money. But what that ends up doing, okay, is that they re- now, that's why Jesus said, if you keep money in their bank account, you're just wasting time. Jesus said, moth destroys. Thieves do break. Government is number one thief. They break in. They don't have to go there and take your money. They just print more money and share it. That is why you hear that um, Apple, 
the share price went up to $3 trillion. The market capitalization, I wanted to say. Why? Because government printed so much money, they shared to everybody. Those who didn't need it used it to buy shares. So the share price kept going up. They were not producing more iPhones, not producing more tabs, not producing anything new. Yes, share price kept on going to the roof. So much that a particular company, then when I read it two years ago, I laughed. This is a joke. They not made one car, one car, Nicola. You can go and read, read up the story of Nicola. Nicola had not made one car, one, one vehicle. See, they say make trucks. They had not made one. They had a share, a market capitalization that was more than that of Ford that was selling like a million cars a year or two. Of course, everything's down to zero. Why? Because everybody had free cash that was printed or just typed into a computer. That's what governments can do and banks. Just type into a computer, then we have a lot of money. But real wealth is are we producing more food? Are we producing more services? Are we producing more goods? The world kept on producing less. But the governments kept on printing more money. So if you're wondering why things are getting more expensive, that is why. China, which is a you know, production in the factory of the world, kept on shutting down because of a zero-COVID policy. Finally, they gave up on it last month or so. And they now say about 900 million people in China has, has had COVID. Which is everybody. Can't <laughs> just about 1.3 billion people. Why am I telling you all of this? Production is called God breaking the staff of... It is God. God put a command. Oh, 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 you would think you have sense. Shut down. China was shut down for weeks. Cost of shipping containers at the time out of China went up fourfold. Yet, people are saying money in their accounts. It's not the money. It's what can it buy for you. So we had more cash, chasing fewer goods. Actually, the whole world was poorer. Elon Musk became the richest man in the world. He's poorer than Bill Gates was 20 years ago. Far poorer. Yet, probably, if you want to count direct this thing, probably had become the richest man in history. But now he's been over, of course, he's lost 30% of his, of his wealth in a few days. Don't be impressed. There was nothing there before. <laughs> Don't be impressed. I don't want to spend you know, more time giving you some of this gist so, so that you can understand some things. Let's not spend too much time. But just understand that real wealth is the goods and services available for you to use. It's not the cash you have. That's why Jesus looked at the church and said, now, wow, you think you are rich and you have need of nothing. He said, you don't know how poor you are. You are wretched. You are miserable. You are blind and you are naked. Please, before I continue, I need to digress. Learn to count the things that matter. Before I pray to God for money, I pray to him for peace of mind. Western Nigeria, Europe, they have a saying. I'm sure it probably be an African saying now. We don't even know who began all of these things. Yoruba man say if you leave your house in the morning to go and look for money. He said if you meet honor on the way. He said you go back home. Why? He said because if you find the money, you will have used to buy honor. Do you get the logic there? That is real, the thing we are really looking for in life is not money. It's what money can get for us. And Christians, try and you know, value your life according to what money is supposed to get for you. Many of which money can't get for you. I hope you get my point. Look. 
twice a week, I get into discussions on how to care for people who are severely ill. And you don't want to know the price. Now, I've said it to you many times here before. The most difficult things to treat, that is the treatments that don't achieve much, are the most expensive. If you have malaria, you're shivering. Your body, your body just comes in, give him one tablet of ibuprofen. All the shivering goes away. Go across, buy him uh, on a temperature based preparation, which in Nigeria today is like 1,500 naira. Less than 2,000. For those who don't know, that's far less than half a dollar. That wipes out the malaria in 24 hours. Wipes it out entirely. Clean it out. If you see your malaria, your malaria has two heads. I have medicine that can kill malaria of seven heads. It, no, it, uh, not prayer. I never, sometimes malaria is so annoying that you don't need to, that it's, it's, it's lower than the one you handle with prayer. I don't want to get my point. Prayer is so powerful. Sometimes people don't like to use it for malaria. Do you know my point? Why waste my prayer on malaria? Go and buy medicine. I hope you got what I'm trying to say there. The most difficult malaria we have the dog drugs you give you small like this. You, okay, if your malaria now one mad, I, I bring the maddest of medicines for malaria, which doesn't cost up to ten dollars in Nigeria, Queen. And then you are killed, and you will not die. Now we're talking under the sun. If God wants to kill you, can kill you with his breath. <laughs> Can blow on your face and you're dead. So that, I'm just talking about the sun. But this, I was in a discussion yesterday. They showed a picture of one woman that was severely ill, had a tumor growing anyhow. No, next treatment, next discussion, have you talked with the family? When they say, have you talked with the family? Now that's not where I'm going. And I said, well, her immediate need now is to eradicate this pain and put, make her more comfortable. They said, okay, that means you get radiation, she has to pay a million naira for. No, that's where I was going. The radiation treatment, okay, we'll fractionate it, do this, do this. It's expensive now. Talk to the family. They have to come with almost a million bucks to get small comfort. No hope of cure. But before you die, must you be in pain? That's all. So please, eh? <laughs> before you started me, you are poor. That you don't need radiation, please. Just wash it before you say, God, my mate, eh? Let me take it to where your mates are. What did they do that you have not done? If you say it's judgment for their sin, what sin did they commit? That you, your ancestors, your friends, your parents, your children, they have not committed. <laughs> Listen, people of God. That's why God hates whining. If you know the way I appreciate God every day, because I, maybe I see a lot of trouble. There are people who have 10 times the amount of money I have who will gladly give it up to have the kind of peace of mind I have. They will gladly give it up. Let me get back to my message, please. I, say, I just wanted to say that because it's important. Many people don't know how to value things. Someone say, you know, one person will tell me yesterday, hey, doctors have go abroad, they minimum of 24,000 pounds a, a year. I said, so? What does that mean? I mean, I can't appreciate the, I can't, I can't get it. I'm not trying to sound like I'm better than you, but the fact is, with that money, you can't live in a house that has a bedroom half the size of mine. Half is what I said. Now, please, I'm not trying to compare houses, but the point is that stop counting, stop counting currency for me. It's not even the house I'm talking about. There are many other things. When God has solved your money problems, you now know the problems of life. Have you ever understood one day they solve? 
Look, I saw a, 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 a program on one of these news channels. They interviewed some Eskimo w- women, all right? Now, if you know the story of Eskimos, where they live, these guys live near the North Pole, all right? It's really cold, so their horizon is snow all the time. And they are farmers. I'm mean, like, you'd be surprised. What do they breed? They breed them, I think, reindeer and some, and they, are, they are flock. Now, the area where they live, they have electricity, the houses are not bad. But because of age and maybe health, some of these women now can't go out to you know, join the herd. They can't go for you know, herding their flock and all of that. So day in, day out, they watch TV. They, nobody's around. They just wake up, eat, take a stroll, watch TV. That's where I'm going. They interviewed one of the women. What's the challenge? He said the killing thing is a feeling of uselessness. That's it's it's like it's overwhelming that you wake up every day you feel useless and there's no hope of ever being useful. She's just going to do that every day until she becomes sick one day and she dies. She didn't complain about the cold; they are used to the cold. She didn't complain about food; they had food. They even had electricity. They watch TV. He said, "But that this overwhelming feeling of uselessness." That's why people sometimes say, I'm going running here. I say, please, being useful is more important than being financially rich. One of the things you must learn in life as a Christian is how to value things. How to value things. That Paul said, your life must be constantly be poured out as a drink offering. Why do you think rich people commit suicide? Larry Lee grew up as a very wealthy, I mean, his father was very well to do. Grew up in a rich home. I think in Texas, somewhere in the U.S. He didn't went and told his father how he was feeling. The father said, any young boy who has everything you have and is still feeling like this must be on drugs. The boy went mental because of that. The father didn't get the point. He wakes up. Now, this guy had everything. There was one man I heard the story. When he went and told his father he wanted to maybe go to the ministry or become a Christian and start living one way. You know the things he had to return? When the father said, when you are going, drop this for me. He included the keys of their boat. These are not poor people. Like when you are going, you know, your father will say, drop my car keys. No, he's only drop my boat keys. Yeah, this guy was willing to walk out. Daddy, take your boat. I need to have, have a, a useful life. One day, one of my colleagues, hmm, let me just jump out of the story. She was, she was giving me just about... A wife they married for her brother who lives abroad, somewhere in Australia. This girl was normal. I met a young woman, fine young lady. They did arrange marriage. The girl traveled. Six months later, they sent her back home. She was mental. Why? Loneliness. She lived in a beautiful house, beautiful environment. But the husband had to go. I think it was an oil worker or something. He would go for some time. Six months later, she was mental. You think money is all the problems in this life? You don't get it. Some of us, why God has not given us the kind of money we are looking for? He doesn't want to run you mental. Yeah, he said, this, the, the, when you wake up in the morning, you go and do this. At least you are thinking. You feel useful. You exercise your spirit, your soul, and your body in pursuit of food. 
So I keep that food just a step ahead of you to keep you mentally sane. You know, sometimes when we read some scriptures, I've heard pastors say it before. When they say, don't make me too poor or too rich. If I'm too rich, I'll take the name of the Lord in vain. They say, that's the level of his faith. Your, your problem is covetousness. Yes. You don't. Men who know, they know. He said, I will say who is God. The most, look, after God, Edco taught us this in his days. After God, the most powerful thing on this earth is money. Money, money is so powerful. Money, people will just change their values like this because of money. They sell. That's what I'm talking about. They buy the souls of men in Babylon. That what they sell and buy is the souls of men. Many people's souls have been bought every day. They don't realize it. Aha. There's one story this man told. I said, God, deliver me from evil. Now, when, for you know what the real is doing evil. <laughs> deliver me from evil. Um, Rabbi Zakai was the one that told the story. What really happened, I don't, I think it happened. That a man was sitting on a plane, you know, business class. He sat. There was one very fine woman that was sitting nearby. So I kept on looking at the woman. After a while, the woman was feeling uncomfortable. Why is this guy just staring at me? So now, anyway, picked up a conversation. That, look, I've been looking at you since. You're such a beautiful woman. Thank you. I was just thinking, when we land in Paris, they were heading to Paris, whether you'll agree to spend the night with me in my hotel. Do you want look like, what? What? He said, wait, 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 wait. For that, I give you a million dollars. The woman calmed down first. <laughs> like, what did you say? I give you a million dollars. So the woman reasoned. Kept quiet for a while. After a while, I turned to the man and said, are you serious about that? The man said, yes. She said, okay. So they kept on flying. After a while, the man turned around and said, let me be honest with you. I really don't have a million dollars. Will you do the same for a thousand dollars? The man said, what do you mean? What do you take me for? The man said, that has been established. We are not negotiating the price. That's the moral of the story. The man said to her, oh, that has been established. Now I'm just trying to get a good price for myself. And that was why that man told the story in his preaching. Initially, the woman, <laughs> that's why the corrupt people tell you that everybody has a price. And one of the things Christians must learn is that you don't have a price apart from the blood of Jesus. You've been bought. And your owner doesn't want to sell. You have been bought. You've been bought with a price. And the person that owns you now, he's not putting you up for sale. He ain't selling you. Actually, nobody can afford you now. Nobody can afford you now. But back to the issue of money. Money is what? See? <laughs> digression in my digressions. I hope I will be able to find my message this morning. But we'll, we'll just keep talking. <laughs> you know, I actually laugh. When a Christian start writing book on 666 and uh, mark, uh, yeah, chip, microchip that they are going to put on your head and they put on your right hand. Honestly, if you understand what I understand, you will know we're on a wild good chase. The Bible never said that thing like that. 
These are figurative things and typologies. And it, again, digression, digression, and digression. See, why are we always looking for the Antichrist? Why are we not looking for Christ? Every development, Antichrist is coming. Is Jesus not going to come to? I don't know what I get my point. I have a book. Okay. She be in my bag somewhere on my car. I saw it recently. The man was trying to describe how the cashless society is preparation for the Antichrist. I picked it to read because I want to see another chase that we are on again. So I asked my wife when I picked the book. I said, why is it that every time we see technology, it's Antichrist we are looking for? So this Jesus, we are not even expecting him at all. This is the enemy we are looking for. You know why? We fear the Antichrist. But let me tell you the truth. The Antichrist is not to be feared for the people that are worshipping the Christ. There is nothing he can do to the people that are worshipping the Christ. The mark of the beast is given to those who worship the beast. They can't sneak it up on you. They say, ah, one man say, please, anytime they bring anything to put on your hand, don't agree. Put it there. I'm not worshipping the beast. The Antichrist will track you. You know, once I was, I was, this was in the U.S. It was when I was writing one of these, that my book, I think, Great Faith Can Be, years ago. So I had the TV beside me on a lot of times. So I was watching this Christian program that day. No, not the Christian program, sorry. A comedian came on, very funny guy, you know. Some guys are very funny, you know. They are different kind of comedians. If you, use, if you do vulgar jokes a lot, I, don't, I assume you are not funny. Because if you are really funny, you should be able to make me laugh without cracking dirty jokes. This guy was one, one very clean guy, very white guy, and he cracked jokes in a funny way. You know, you will laugh from the beginning to the end. Anyway, one of the jokes he cracked, he, be, he put up the issue of the Antichrist. So he put a couple that I know, I mean, I used to watch them on TV. They were talking about how the Antichrist is going to use, the man was talking, the Antichrist is going to use the internet, the Antichrist is going to use the internet, the internet, Antichrist, internet. This comedian put up the, a clip of the preaching. So, please be very, very careful. Internet, Antichrist. He now said, so next clip, his wife was announced at the end of the program. To get more of our resources, go to www.com. We, we got the point. I was alone where I was. I was not laughter. I said, God, why are you embarrassing us like this? Her husband just finished preaching about the internet being the tool of the Antichrist. Then the wife said, if you want more resources, go to the Antichrist, the Antichrist <laughs> platform to collect the resources. And that was why this comedian put them on air. Say, look at how these Christians are joking. And really, we are jokers. When I see the internet, I see the Roman road. The modern day Roman road. For me, the inter- internet is how I preach the gospel. The internet is how I get things done. The internet has made my ministry so easy. Oh, God. I wrote the book, Let Us Agree. Didn't have to print it. And thousands and thousands of copies have been shared. Those is when we used to track them. Talking about a few years ago. 3,000 copies of our books were downloaded every month. Oh, that's what for me internet is. It's made my ministry so easy. We used before, we burn CD, burn CD, do all of that. The other day I was asking Reverend Felix here, I say, how far? He said, nobody buys CDs anymore. I said, why? Well, I said, you know, in, um, internet access is not so available in Nigeria. 
that they all download it now. So that made us very sad, so we don't get money again. Of course not. We're happy. The idea of, in fact, one guy's name on my, on my phone was, was uh, saved as CD Uche. The guy who used to buy packs of CDs from from Monetia. So I learned that. I don't, when does you guys call Uche? I'm sure you've not called Uche. Yes. Hmm? It costs like, well, Pastor, how far? <laughs> ah, yes. Internet has spoiled the business because everybody. Da- of course, what I'm preaching today, give it another week or two max. It's online. People are downloading from all over the world. That's what I see on the internet. Please read my book if you have not read it, The Mark of the Beast. It's on our website. I can come down it to give it to you. www.pastor.ng. So I can give that to you confidently. That's what I see on the internet. It's a way to make my ministry effective. We're discussing policy the other day. I tried not to, but I got involved with it with my classmates. And somebody said that. that they pre- I said, no, I don't mention the name of candidates or political parties in prayer. I can have my personal preference. Again, a digression. I don't even know which digression I'm on now. Just be hearing everything. <laughs> so I was telling them, listen, I don't mention the name of political parties or candidates in prayer. And please, I'm begging you, don't. Unless you're a member of one. And you are committing your ways into the hand of the Lord. But as to preference... I want this one to win. I want this person. Please don't mention names. I've explained. So one of my classmates said that this is the problem he has with Pentecostals. That they get, that with Pentecostals. That they get him confused. I said, no, it's not confusing. My ways are easy to those who understand. That's what wisdom says. So I just said, okay, read this little book. I just put a bit link there for him. bit.ly slash agree2022. I said, read it. It's not a big book. That is, we don't have to, we didn't have to talk far. I just typed it because I remembered it. bit.ly. In fact, my phone just popped, you know, prompted me, because I've typed it there many times. I, and immediately the guy said, ah, it's 75 pages. So I said, no, no, it's 75 tiny pages. If it's full page, it's not up to it. It's just about a quarter of that. I said, no, no, no. I just, I just passed it him. Read it. And you'll understand why I say you cannot ask. Again, let me just explain it. Please, don't get involved in that nonsense prayer. You're confusing heaven. After I go, who won't answer anybody? So you people don't know what you want. You don't know the heart of any candidate. You don't know who God wants to use to do the things you want. So ask for the things you want. And I told them, I said, what do I want personally in this country? I want peace. I want to be able to travel to every corner of the country at any time without looking over my shoulders. I don't want to hear a call, please contribute money. Somebody got kidnapped. He was traveling to this place. I don't want that. I said, I want peace. I want to be able to travel to preach the gospel anywhere. We just talked about the, food, the, the, the staff of bread being broken. I said, I want that to come to an end. This headsman, farmer's Christ, I want it to come to an end. I listed a number of good things. Justice. I mean, why should I sue somebody? Three years later, we are still there in court. On who took the phone? <laughs> I mean, I want somebody who will say, look, 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 guys, let's find a way around this. So justice can be quick. You, you understand? I mean, <laughs> in one office, one federal government office, they sacked some staff. Three years later, they finally won the case, and they made them pay them three years' salary. You could have settled this case in two months. I will know that we are paying, we are not paying. Meanwhile, people did not work for three years. They were just there going to court. I want those things to come to an end. Why should the price of fuel be, you know, traveling the other day, 340? I crossed the Niger, 230. Ah, what's going on here? So I told me when I come back to be 250, and I lie, I came back, it was 320. I said, what is going on? I don't like that. Whoever God will use to settle that. Because I emphasize whoever God. Because human beings can't do anything. 
which is why I began all of this from. Human beings cannot do anything. They can't. But God will use. Whoever God will use, let him choose. So when I go to him in prayer, I pray specifically about those things. Please, if you have not read the book, go and read it. It's bit.ly slash agree2022. Agree is in small um, case. All right? Agree2022. Just read it. I don't emphasize to Christians how you are supposed to pray about this election. Don't mention the name of any candidate in prayer, unless it's your personal person. No, my personal. If my friend is running for office, the temptation will be too strong. I just say, God, if you will do good, try and help him now. <laughs> all right? But what I mean is that all these people that are out there, I'm not saying don't campaign for anybody. That's it, so. No, please campaign. You have the right to. Try to persuade me to vote for your candidate. Okay? It's important. It's good. It's democracy. That's how to do it. But when it comes to prayer, don't come and desecrate the place of the throne of God. Mention people's names. Some of them, God despises them. You don't know. You like them, but God doesn't. You don't know who God is impressed with all this. Will. I just look at all of that. I just laugh. I say, God will still bless me. I mean, talking about Nigeria now. God will bless us. God. So when you are going to pray, please don't say, God, let this person win. Please, Christians, stop that. Just pray, God, this country must be good. We will have peace. Lord, grant us mercy. Grant us prosperity. This type of bread you are broken. I beg, mend it. Do you follow what I'm saying? Uh-huh. After that, get up. Campaign for your candidate. It's right. You have to go and vote for somebody, right? Uh-huh. But leave it there. And never quarrel with anybody over these things. People have said things like, if you want this country where you never vote for this person. Me. I'm thinking that you, the person you want to vote for, is the reason why the country will not go anywhere. Who is correct? Both of us are confused. So please, when you go to prayer, don't mention all these funny things. It annoys God. Just pray that God will give you the things that we really need and let him use whoever he wants to use. That's a digression in a digression that caused a digression that has now ended. I'm going back bit by bit. Who knows how I got to that? I know. I'm just trying to test you. I know, I know how I got there. I was talking about the staff of bread. That's how I began all of this one. Okay? That one thing just led to another. So, on this earth, wealth is not money. Money is the means, the means of exchange of value, of goods, of resources, of services. Essentially, money is a means of exchange of wealth. So, if you have a lot of money and you don't have wealth, that is what you call inflation. So as money, the supply of wealth is going down, inflation will catch up with the supply of money. If you could drop the supply of money at the same time you are dropping the supply of wealth, there will be no inflation. Okay? Now, so, what I was not thinking about in that regard is, why do some people have wealth? Now, you know what wealth is now. When I say people, I mean nations. Why do they have wealth and others don't? Then I remember the scripture. That's what the scripture I wanted to quote. It said, Is the Lord thy God? That give it the what? The power to make wealth. He wasn't talking about power to be rich in that financial regard. He was talking about the power to be productive. Is the Lord thy God that makes thy field productive? Is the Lord thy God that makes thy animals deliver plenty and not miscarry? Is the Lord thy God that gives you the innovative capacity to make machines and goods and complicated products. The truth is that nobody has the power or ability 
in himself or herself to do these things. Nobody. You know the truth? Nobody. And Christians, you understand it. You know, that's why I went into politics and all of that. So many things. Because you find that Christians talk sometimes. You wonder, do they know what they are saying? They sit down and try to make a God out of Americans. They want to make a God out of Europeans. They make a God out of the Japanese. They make a God out of the Koreans. And they tell us, go. Go to South Korea and go and see how they did it. When I hear an average person say it, I don't have a problem. But when it's a Christian, I'm disappointed. I am. One of my greatest lessons in the last few years is God has been pressing this thing in my mind. Banky, there is no wealth apart from me. There's none. It doesn't exist. See, if you go to China and go and learn the ways of the Chinese in producing wealth, you will bring it to Africa, it will make you poorer. What's wrong with their ways? I don't know. It's just that God says, I'm trying to get the scripture, and God will tell people, say that, um, anyway, he said they will gather. What would I do? I will scatter it. There's another scripture I wanted to quote, but just escape me now. When he says that um, this one has fallen, God will judge something. Yes. He said the sacramental trees have fallen. Now we're going to replace them with cedars. Human beings bragging as if they are God. The, the brick walls are falling. We will build, we'll rebuild with igneous rock. Human beings. God look and say, I broke the sycamore tree. You want to build cedars that I cannot build? I cannot break? Watch me. Anytime people rise up thinking that eh, they can plan and plot against the judgment of God, they get frustrated. I got to understand something um, recently, a few months ago. A few years, recently anyway. About the Tower of Babel. You know the Tower of Babel? I heard somebody saying that Tower of Babel was supposed to rise up into, you know, like, seven heavens. No, it's not so. Tower of Babel was not even a tower by modern day description. No, no, no. I mean, <coughs> Burj Khalifa would make that thing look. Are you getting my point? They call them ziggurats, I think so. All right? They, what they built those days, they had a broad base. Now we have narrow bases and a very tall building. Generally, the proportion will be like one to eight or so, or one to five. Okay? That is the width. Okay, you're an architect, you know. What is the slender buildings are one to eight? The normal one is like one to five, right? That is about five times as high as it is wide. Okay? That's to make it stable. You really don't break those rules. But so those guys know their own was different. Their own was made as wide as it was high. So what they call a tower those days, it used to rise very high, but also was very broad. Because it didn't have steel. So they kind of reinforce and make it stand. Of course, they couldn't do that. Now, but this is where I'm going. Of course, different things people have said about it. One said it was actually supposed to be an altar. So the top of it was going to be an altar. So when they say heavens, there, just the upper part of the sky that they can see. So, of course, they could build it very, very high, all right? Maybe up to a kilometer or so. But somebody said, notice something that they did. They made, how did they build it again? Who can remember? Didn't you study that one in school? It should have been part of ancient architecture for you people. You're not serious. <laughs> eh? They, they used tar for mortar. Yes, that's where I'm going. They used tar. You know what they call mortar? The one they used to plaster the bricks together. They used tar. So somebody pointed out, do you know why they used tar? To waterproof it against the next flood that God will send. Did you catch that? That the people said, God destroyed the earth before with the flood. No problem. Now, we are going to build a city that will be flood resistant. How high was Noah's flood? It covered the highest mountain. We will build our own tower twice the height 
of the highest mountain and waterproof it round about. What's your we'll cover it on top, we we'll deflect all your rain to the side. And they understood. Many of us think it was rain that covered it. It was not rain alone. It rained, but also from the ground. Water began to gush. The guys said we will tackle all of these things. They were reading against God's judgment. Japan is in an in an earthquake-prone area, and tsunami is their life. The word tsunami is a Japanese word, which means a, a big tidal wave. I think the one that destroyed the Fukushima reactor then, before that, the Japanese built defenses against tsunami that was higher than the highest tsunami the world had ever seen. They made reference to one that happened I think, in South America long before that. When this one came, it was twice as high as the one the world had ever seen. I don't know whether you're getting it. Because, oh, you think I, you can protect against my judgment? Just yeah, start. Start now. They, they were ready for it. They built, put structures in place. They said the highest tsunami the world has ever recorded, the whole globe, they measured it. They prepared for that level and built. The next one that came, dwarfed it. God said, next, build the next thing. Build the, you think you get sense? Build the next thing now. Don't joke with this God, though. Just fear him. What I'm going to say is that, so when you see people start making noise, say, hey, go to America, go and learn. Because <laughs> they don't understand. If I don't bless you, you are not blessed. Those of you think if you run to America, run to yeah, UK, run to Australia, I will, be, I, will be, I will prosper. Please, if you're a Christian, let me just beg you. Stop that nonsense. Before you travel anywhere, one guy, I saw the video yesterday, made me laugh. They filmed themselves on a bus. They were being deported back to Nigeria from Dubai. One guy said, oh boy, put call before you put body. Like before you travel, call, ask questions. This is not the way they told us. <laughs> he said, investigate well. Investigate well. It's not like that. Too. And they were all laughing, young men. The one doing the shooting the video said, this is one of 15 buses filled with young Nigerian men handcuffed to each other. Yes, because they don't want to run. Taking you to the airport, shipping you back to Lagos. What am I saying? It's not put call, put prayer. Before you put body, what do you do? Put prayer. I know what I'm telling you. Please, I'm begging you in the name of the Lord. I adjure you by the mercies of God. Before you go anywhere, put prayer. Do you know why? I will tell you the reason why I'm saying that. Your suffering, you know, there are different levels of suffering. In Nigeria, it's almost impossible to die of hunger and cold. You know that? No, uh, hunger and cold kill you for what? All you need to do is just, even now, only Saturday you go chop, you will survive. You say, why Saturday? Abba. Party now, Abba. What are we talking about? <laughs> no, most parties, there's no bouncer at the door. Even this big, big bouncer, they just for sure. Is there a card? Even the ones that give you card, they, they don't know. Just go, just dress properly just, and put a smile all confidently. Do like my son, Victory. Just get a cap, wear it, and hold a walking stick. Nobody's stopping you. <laughs> Nobody's stopping you. Just, just walk in there. In fact, you, you look at the bouncer. Ah, Alfred, how are you? You walk past. You sit down. You go chop chicken. You go. One guy, no, this you go laugh. If I tell you, the guy walked up to a high table. Where Ojuku was seated. Odume Ojuku. He bent down, whispered to the man. The man didn't know what he said. He took the wine in front of him and walked away. (laughs) 
he bent over to the old man, asked him one question. The man was still thinking, the guy just grabbed the wine in front of him. Um, I'll show you the guy one day if you want to see the guy. The guy is not okay. But just to let you know that hunger will not do if I leave that. No, you, you will eat. You will eat. There will be a place to eat food. Cold will not kill you. Somebody will remember you one day. I love, I love Africans, Nigerians. Look, they will just gather. Say, where is this guy? Say, they will send you transport money. Come home. He said, that Lagos is not good for you. Come to the village. They will give you a house in the village. And they will make sure you have food. Plus, if you hang for Europe, if you hang for America, if you go hang, you are broke, you can't pay rent, you don't have a job, you don't have anything, you will die of cold. Those inside houses are dying of cold. How much more people like you? So if you want to solve the poverty problem, I keep on saying, get on your knees first. Kneel down there and say, God, I beg. I want to travel because I think I will be able to do some things there. If you agree, let me go. If you don't agree, just leave me here. It's important you do that too. You get on your knees and say, Lord, <laughs> what I'm saying so is that that spirit of poverty, if he hooks you, if he manifests where you don't know anybody, You, you know what they call double Allah for dead body. You've heard the story before. Dead body, go get accident. As if, as if being dead is not bad enough. A woman actually happened to him. He was riding his bike very, very fast. He crashed at high speed. Broke all his body, everything. They called ambulance on him. This was in America. They put him inside the ambulance. Ambulance, the speed go. Ambulance, get accident. Fling him out of window. <laughs> It really happened. This really happened. I read the story because that was when he met Jesus Christ. <laughs> no, after two accidents, you meet Jesus. I'm telling you. <laughs> he survived. He survived. Oh, he survived. That, no, that's why I read the story. That was his testimony. The guy survived. Even he couldn't believe it. The first accident was terrible. He was riding a bike at high speed. He took a turn and it was a wall. So he slammed at high speed into a wall. And what these guys do, mm, 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 just took a turn on one narrow street. Mom, you know, it was a dead end with a wall at the end. There was no way. <laughs> they call ambulance for him. Ambulance, they go, mm, 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 ambulance ran into a truck. What's that? The guy fling out of ambulance. <laughs> Land on the road. He didn't die. He knew that Jesus was alive. The only way. <laughs> The Lord is good. <laughs> so what I say is that so when poverty hooks you in a cold place where people don't care about you, you know this world can be a lonely place. So before you do anything, please pray. That's what I'm saying. Pray. Pray. Because deliverance is not outward. The part will get wealth. The path to create wealth. I first started by explaining what wealth was, then went into a lot of digression, talking about many things happening around us. Then when I say, okay, how do people get the power to get wealth? It is when God gives it. And if God has not given it to somebody, 
He can live all he wants. He won't get it. That's what I'm making. But he gives it. So he can ask for it. He gives it. He gives it. And I was saying that Christians, please, don't talk like unbelievers. Because when the, you see, there are two groups of people on this earth. We've talked about it. There's the natural man and there are the spiritual people, the people of God. One thing that God gives, I pray I can get there today, which is where I wanted to start from, actually. One of the things that God gives is understanding. If you don't have the right understanding, you don't know how to solve your problems. You will heal the heart of the daughters of my people slightly. Saying peace, peace, when there is no peace. They will give you a solution that will not last. Most books, they just... Look, I was telling my wife yesterday, I said, look, I hope I'm not the one that has a problem. Because I hear a lot of people, I just turn them off. They are popular preachers, they start talking. I said, what, what nonsense are you saying? If you want to succeed in this life, you will get up and you will move. I said, bros, ability to get up, uncle, where will I get it? Ability to move, you think it's inside me? You've not told me how to pray, how to be led of the spirit of God into the thing he wants me to do. You make it look like it's my determination. Pastors will come and be talking about the power of networking. I see that is the foundation for prosperity. Of course not. Because look, if I'm angry with you, you gather, I will scatter it. You look for much, it will come to little. When they say they look for much, it came to look. It didn't mean they sit at home and they are looking like this. Where is much? No. They went out to go and pursue much. They put in all the effort. They harvested, it came to little. So that's what the Bible says, is the Lord that God that gives the power to make wealth. If he gives it to somebody, he has not given it to you. You don't drink of that spirit. You copy all his ways. You will end up broke. Many people don't, you know, that's why. I, <laughs> you know, some, some, something that made me go to review the messages we preached some years ago, about five years ago now, six, um, the book of Ecclesiastes. The thing that I, I say, of course, I don't remember many of the things I say after I finish saying them. Two months later, I forgot that I said them. And the, part of the reason is because I didn't plan to say them. Like now, today, now, everything I've said till now, I've only said the first statement in line with my message. I'm still trying to get back there, okay? So, I saw something that I said in that place. I burst into laughter myself. <laughs> I, 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 at that time, there was a gist going around in Nigeria. You know, social media, people were forging things around. The one that was going around that time was that Shino Peters. Remember Shino Peters? Yeah. Big musician in his days. He's still there, still playing music, but he's a bit old now. He's on the elderly side now. Then a young guy was, Ijoshi, no, Ijoshi, ah, he made money. Somebody said to me then that he played, that his shows, 360 days in one year. He was booked every night in a year. I, you know how this guy is charged these days? He told me the other day, our Grammy Award winner, half a million dollars. One show. The other Guy, he said that one is $300,000. So imagine that if these guys are booked only two days a week. So they say he built a house those days, which is equivalent of like $10 million, $20 million. I just want to give it in dollars. It was Naira, $20 million Naira of those days. All right? Someone that said Jim Obvious started um, sending the bank with the same amount of money. So the lesson was that don't build a house, start a bank. Yeah, basically, that's what they are saying. Say, invest, don't build that. Who cares now? Look at how big Zenith has become. It sounds nice, right? Believe me, that thing has no meaning. It's senseless. 
Do you know how many 20 million naira that guy put in businesses and none of them did well? Oh, you think the only thing he did was to build a house? Do you know how many houses Jimovia built? Do you even know how many banks he started and collapsed? He would just make it look as if you just get up put $20 million in a farm and it will germinate and give you a rocket tree. <laughs> you know, <laughs> one day one of our brothers here, his friend was in town, he was giving counsel. I think my wife was at that time. The guy was giving counsel on business, giving counsel on business, talking, talking, talking. Now I tap our brother here. I said, what business does your friend do? He said, he advises on business. I said, it's obvious. It's obvious. I said, look, the way he's talking, it's obvious he doesn't do business. He just gives advice. When the guy was talking, it was so clear. I said, this guy doesn't do business. You talk as if this life has control. If there was a program they did, my wife was on the high table. Well, there's a way they do it. She's on the high table and on the horse seat at the same time. She brings forth the business um, um, problem for them to discuss. So everybody will learn from it. So everybody was talking, talking, talking. A lot of young people, they were talking up and down. Now, the owner of this facility next to us here was sitting beside my wife there. He was the only one that was just watching them. Every broke young guy had something to say. <laughs> but this man who's invested hundreds of millions, you know who I just want, we're recording, I don't want to mention. Just next door here. See, he just sat down there, we're just looking. He was on the high table sitting beside my wife. We're just looking at like this. As we were talking, he said, I hope people know that this woman has costs. This is a statement he just made. <laughs> it was obvious he was doing business. The rest of them were giving advice. How am I talking about it? If you have really been through it in life, you know it's not predictable. You know it's not easy. I've seen it before, personally, in my house with my father. Things he thought he knew how to do. Hectares of land he cultivated. Harvest time, there was nothing. There was nothing. Nothing. He said, I did not harvest enough to cover the crops I put in. That if it was corn, if I sold two bags, harvest time, I did not get two bags. And I know the money he spent. He used to do mechanized farming. That's why I learned a lot of things from Galex, Premextra. These are the pre-emergence, post-emergence herbicides he will pay money for. How it happened, he didn't know. The good thing was that that was not his money. He was like, just invest his money here, go to work and all of that. When he was telling me, I was like, how could I know how much labor they put in. He will hire workmen, everything. Apparently, maybe what happened, we suspected was that when he's not there, they didn't do the work. You know, workmen, are, the human beings are so wicked. I found out last time, last week, I discovered that God will punish people. <laughs> because, like now, you pay people, go to, the, go to the field, you understand? Go and spray herbicides, uh, sorry, um, um, pesticides. There's no way of, te- they can take your pest and pour it away. Sit down there, eat, even go and sell the thing. You come at the end of the day, they say it's done. And these are things that have cycles. Maybe the, the pest is supposed to, you know, maybe every 12 days, every 14 days. I was a witness. My dad spent all the money. He did not get in fruit, that is harvest, as much as the, I'm not talking about the money. I'm talking about the physical crop planted. He didn't get it. What about the one that he did? Because, because of his own, the way his mind used to work. He believed all these scientific things. Sometimes look at people, eh? 
There's a reason why they are there. My father invested money in the latest breed of crop that he got from IAT Ibadan. They said this one matures 25% faster. Reduce the amount of this thing you go and put in you know, the insecticide, all the, all the weeding and everything. You know what? It worked. Oh, bountiful harvest. Useless food. Not sellable. He took a loan from a bank for that thing. Bank loan. The crops were there. They harvested massively. But the scientific man was so focused on, you know, how we forgot that people have to eat this thing. They have to like the look of it. It was not marketable. Listen, if anybody thinks he has sense in life, then he don't have sense. Go and ask Dan Gote. Dan Gote, I don't know how to be rich. If you follow me, you will die. Steve Jobs said, no one can connect the dots looking forward. He said, we only connect the dots when we look backwards. He said, so when you start out in life, you just have to believe in something. He said, call it karma. Call it anything you like. Call it God. He said, boy, you have to believe. And that's why those men, if you, this guy, went, where did he disappear to? Was it two years? Steve Jobs, before he came and be launching Apple and Co. Shaved his hair, meditated in a temple for like two years. You believe it, we just say, so you go, you, you, if you can conceive it, uh, you just move it. Uh, just. Nonsense. In this life, eh, you, you know, you just have to learn how to pray. You just have to learn how to what? Pray. You see, you have to learn how to pray. You have to beg God. And please, this year I'm going to teach serious prayer. Pentecostals are very, very useless when it comes to pray. They talk, let us pray. What are you saying? I command the air to open. Shut up. You think everybody commands? How many times do you hear Moses command? All Moses did was obey instructions. Hits the rock, he strikes it. Do this when you get there, he does it. Who is it that says a thing and it comes to pass? When the Lord has not commanded it. You see, sometimes when they are leading prayer, I don't be looking at them. With decree, shut up, what do you know? You want to pray? Get on your knees and say, Lord, have mercy on me. Get on your knees and say, Lord, please help me. If you don't help me, I will die. I hear Christians pray sometimes. I'm just like, what's wrong with you? He's telling angels, command angels. I say, where did you see anybody in your Bible do it? We have prayer habits. We have no example of in scripture. I command angels to go and bring money. Shut your stupid mouth. When did you ever hear angels hacking to human beings? The Bible says they're hacking onto the voice of his word. No, daddy, we get too excited about it. I know why we don't get any prayer results. We pray for hours and hours, and God says, When will you calm yourself down? Let me tell you something. This life, eh? You want anything? Get on your knees. See, 
You want to travel. They said the road is dangerous. Kneel down and say, Lord. They said the road is dangerous. But you say you will be with me in my going out and my coming in. As I need to travel, Lord. Have mercy on me. Fulfill this word in my life. Then take that scripture, read it over that road. And travel. And I give you the word of the Lord. No evil will befall you. I said, anyway. This life, eh? <laughs> it is God that commands well. So. I'm trying to get to my message. Maybe this is one I'm supposed to preach. I don't know. But I'm just trying to get to the thing I wanted to say. You know, I began by saying that I was meditating. And I realized that no, it's God that commands a blessing. Yes, I'm not saying people will be lazy. No way people make the mistake when they are judging Christians is that they think that when you talk like this, you are saying that uh, you now go and sit down and do nothing. No. It is that when a blessing has been commanded, the Bible now says, go out and go and take it. There's another scripture like that. He'll say, I have given you the land of, uh, you know, um, how does it? No, this particular one I'm trying to quote. He now said, begin to contend with him in battle. Do you understand my point? First, God will give you a land. The now says, contend for this one. He now says to you, see this other land belongs to the Edomites. If you go there and fight and they enjoy you, don't call me. This one, it belongs to the Ammonites. They are your cousins. If you go there and fight, say, I gave it to them. If you go there, not mention my name. See this particular one? It belongs to the descendants of Esau. I have not given you, because people, you know, there's a way Christians really think that only the Jews, God had a plan for. It's not true. He had land for the descendants of Esau. He had land for the descendants of Lot, the Ammonites and the Moabites. He says, so, you will respect their boundaries. If you enter their land, if you drink water, pay for it. Negotiate passage if you want to pass here. If they tell you pay money, pay. He said, because if you do otherwise and you provoke them to battle, my people, you're on your own. What I'm trying to emphasize is that God didn't say we should be lazy. However, he said, I have to command the blessing in the place where you'll be productive. And sometimes as believers, if you are laboring in a particular place, you don't see anything. You labor second, you don't see anything. Go and pray first before you continue. It could be that you are laboring in a place where it's not commanded a blessing. Oh, it's very possible. You could be laboring in a place where he has not commanded a blessing. I'm going to emphasize that so, we are not saying Christians be lazy. He said, contend with him in battle. Begin to contend. Get up, he said, in fact, there's one particular scripture I like. Okay, again, some of these scriptures, I don't know, I don't, you don't know you're going to quote it, but, so I didn't search it out, but I'll just say what he says. We're talking about the lion. The lion gets up in the evening, late in the day, and begins to prowl, looking for the food that God has provided for it. He doesn't stay in his den. He gets out and he goes to hunt. But the Bible says that, what does he go to do? To hunt for the food that God has provided. The hunt is not successful because he is a lion. 
The hunt is success because God said, that's your meal. Do you get what I'm going to say here? So, that's one thing about us believers. When people misunderstand the things, and you think people should be lazy. No, we're not saying so. We're saying that no matter how you walk, if there's no blessing commanded, there's nothing for you. That's what we're saying. Back to where I began from then. So I looked, I said, listen. Okay, you've heard me say this before. African nations, they are not the way they are, primarily because of laziness. Even though I'll go later on, in the moment I'll get there. They're not the way they are because the people, you know, cannot work. Fundamentally, the Lord that commands wealth didn't give it to them. That's all. And until you recognize that, you labor in vain. What happens is when people have desires and they don't understand some of these things, they get frustrated. If you haven't, please listen to that, our teaching series on Ecclesiastes. I explained it inside there. When people who have really been careful to look, they looked and said the race is not to be swift. And as Solomon was not speaking by revelation, he was speaking by observation. The battle, they said, is not to be strong. Bread does not always come in abundant measures to the mighty, nor favor to men of understanding. What does that mean? You can have a PhD in robotic engineering or intergalactic electronic physics, or you can code anything and you don't make a dime. Yeah. There's one very rich man in Nigeria. Very, very rich. Very rich. A name if I mention, everybody here will know. Very rich. A man used to work with him, told me one. He said he's not smart. He said that guy is not smart. He said if you explain some things, he said it, it can easily confuse him. He said he has only one thing going for him. He's very bold. He's very daring. He said, but he's not smart. That most people who work for him are much smarter than he is. Now, when he said it, of course, it didn't, it didn't surprise me. It's, it's in the Bible. It's in Scripture. You say it's not smart, it's your problem. That guy can write a check for a billion dollars. Ah, yes. The not smart guy can write a check for a billion dollars. All the smart boys, when asked is on strike, hunger kills them. They all there teaching the university. Eight months, nothing. They were selling property. One, I wanted to sell my wife something. Yinka was telling, uh, Madame said, he said, tell Madame me put something now. I still remember. P- uh, most of them, you know now, PhD. An average ASU member has, has a PhD that he got 10 years ago. That's why they are difficult to sack. I can't replace them. PhD people are just, just throwing them on the street with all the years of teaching experience. You now see PhD holder. Student with the bar and meet by. You've seen them now. You want to pass? You go to a gas office. Good afternoon, sir. We brought you something: meat pie and coke. You go to the chopper. Hey, how are you? Hey. <laughs> PhD. <laughs> we sending hand up for two two thousand. Remember one that was supposed to supervise my wife's project when she was doing executive MBA. That guy. I said, now poverty do you like this? For my wife to call in, she go first send her a recharge card. 
And this executive MB I'm paying big money for. The guy could use, you know, how many people know what they call Tirogo? Tirogo was a slang, don't worry, in the early 80s. You remember Tirogo? <laughs> I think you're the only one that knows these things in this place. <laughs> yeah. That guy could do Tirogo. <laughs> my wife would go in office, supervise my project now. Ah, that, that is a father's brother last week. The other students, they really tried. They tried. They tried. I tell my wife, tell this guy, he's executive MB I'm paying for. I'm not irregular. <laughs> Begging, PhD. People who are not smart are writing checks. $10,000. $25,000. They don't even eat meat pie. <laughs> That's all I be. Do you get my point? Solomon said it after observing. He was observing life. So if you think life is on, just on that level, you will frost. Solomon explained it. Frustration will kill you. When he said that, better is the dead than the living. And better is than both of them is the one that has never lived. It was not a revelation. It was frustration. The man looked at life and said, this life is useless. That the one that's dead is lucky. That the one that never lived, good. You will never have a memory of this rubbish. What am I saying all of these things? I think I'm just telling off faith in our hearts to understand that it is God that shows mercy. If you want anything in life, ask him for mercy. But I want all of that trying to emphasize something. So we see countries that are not blessed, there's a reason why. They are spiritual. People laugh at Christians that instead of you to get up and work, Christians have never been lazy. But see, you must understand, Christians are not known for laziness. They are not. They are hard-working people. In fact, people credit capitalism to them as their invention. And the principle behind their own capitalism is that each person has a gift. Each person has grace according to that gift that God has given him. That each person has, we don't all have the same amount of talents. So the principle behind capitalism is that if they gave you ten talents, go and multiply your ten talents. That some are given only one. Communism said, no, each person one talent. The Puritans said, no. If you read this man, um, uh, Henry Ford, Henry Ford used to explain it. Henry Ford said, no, not everybody will be an entrepreneur. He said, some people, they don't have that gift, they don't have that grace. That the job of the entrepreneur is to make those people productive in life and make them comfortable in life. What it means is this. I will structure a job for you that no matter how unskilled you are, you can work. To him, that's my job. I will produce, see, I will set up the factory that all you need to do, come in the morning, pick this thing and drop it there. Pick this thing and drop it there. Pick this thing and drop it there. When you have done that for 30 days, I will give you enough money to take care of yourself, take care of your family, own a house and buy a car. That there's no, you don't have to be like me to be comfortable in this life. That was his own principle. So he kept on creating jobs and making them as simple as possible so that everybody can do something. So Christians are not lazy people. That's what I'm making. However, we recognize, no matter how, how hardworking we are, if there's no blessing working for us, nothing for us. I need to leave that because I'm, I'm watching my time. 
I believe we all will understand, understand that one so far. I don't, let me leave it. Because I'm just trying to get to the thing I want to see. I want to get there. Good. Now that I've opened this, I think it's very good. We're talking about a new man, a new world. Remember that. God is love. God loves people. God loves to bless people. That's what he does. But when he wants to bless, now please listen to this carefully. One thing he must look for is channels of blessing. Do you understand what I'm saying? He must look for channels of blessing. Abraham is a channel or was a channel. God didn't bless Abraham or didn't call Abraham so he could bless him and he would enjoy life. God called Abraham and blessed him so he could bless all of us. Abraham was a co-laborer with God. He was not the object of blessing. That's why if you look at Abraham's life, many of us, we don't realize that Abraham actually sacrificed a lot. He did. He sacrificed a lot. He left a comfortable city where he was okay. He was not a poor person there. And he began to live the life of a nomad. His generations before that, they were not nomadic. But that nomadic life was important for God. I don't know why. For God to bring forth what he wanted to bring forth out of Abraham. He sacrificed a lot. He left the house with his father. Along the line, the father died. He moved. God kept on removing everything from Abraham. When he moved with Lot, at the point in time, God had to remove Lot from him. Then along the line, he got Ishmael. God removed Ishmael from him. Along the line, he got Isaac. God still removed Isaac. Yes, he did. He had to sacrifice Isaac. Spiritually, that man was what they call a pilgrim, yes. He was a pilgrim who was always alone. He sacrificed, trust me, he sacrificed a lot. But why did God make that happen? Simply because that is the only way to bless you and bless me. The only way to bless you and I. That was why God made all of that happen. Please, I hope you are getting my point. And that's how it is till today. Please, let me just say this again. When you are making decisions, never forget that. If you are making decisions so that blessings can terminate with you, you have missed the plan of God. The Holy Spirit does not have to speak to you. Don't worry, you have missed it. You have missed it. If in your mind, how are you using me to bless people? What do you want me to accomplish in this life? What are you going to use my life for? Now, in that process, you might make a decision that is wrong. I hope I get my point. But that's just a 50-50 thing. But if you like, let me go and look for more money so I can eat and me and my wife and children and be comfortable. You miss God 100% of the times. There's not even a matter of discussion. I've not said this in a while. Let me say it again. That is why, as a woman, you know, we have to keep saying these things. Some people may not have heard you say it before. As a single woman, there's things you don't say. I want to marry a man that can take care of me. That is a sin. That statement is iniquity. You don't like the fact that I say it like that. See, a lot of people want to know what is a sin. So that's why I say it like that. Because if you try to do it like this, they will say, okay, God is not too angry. He is very angry. You can't wake up in the morning and say, you want to marry a man that can take care of you. I can keep on saying that. Who is looking for trouble in this life? Which man is just a gluten for punishment? Say, hey, you look for somebody to just take care of. Now, with all these problems he has, do you know the price of food right now? I hope you're getting my point. So, is, there's a way daughters of Zion reason. 
They have an assignment mentality. They have an assignment mentality. In their life, what they just believe is that I must be a blessing. If you understand scripture well, eh? Okay, let me not go there. No, let me go there. Both men and women. Both women and women, they are the same thing as far as God is concerned. It's the roles they play that are slightly different. Both of them are productive. Both of them work hard. I hope you're getting my point. Both of them are designed to be a blessing. But where one will be, if you go, like I analyzed it before, the curse of Adam and the curse of Eve. You see, I, I, when I read it properly, I found that they were almost exactly the same thing. It's just where it was applied. Both of them are supposed to be productive. So daughters of Zion don't get on the when I take care of me. You will have a bad marriage. Why? You came with the wrong spirit. Your thought process must be there is an assignment in life to accomplish. Who am I supposed to accomplish it with? That's just a thought. You, know, you must understand. That's what they call a thought process. It's called a mind. That's the mind with which you approach things. The point I'm making is that so when God wants to bring forth a blessing, he always looks for somebody. Now, this earth in itself is a mess. The people on this earth, they are in trouble. Many of them are blind. They don't know what is going on. When God was going to de- de- destroy Nineveh, one of the reasons he refused to destroy Nineveh after they repented is that he said there are so many there that don't know they are left from their right. I hope you're getting my point. But for him to be able to spare them, he had to get a prophet to go and trigger repentance. What I'm saying is that, so that same God still wants to bless this earth. Remember we're talking about a new man and what? A new world. Now, I've gotten to the thing. Okay, anyway, you know, we're just talking. So I've gotten there now. Ha! Ah, praise God. That, that took some time. <laughs> now he says, you are the light of the, you are the salt of the earth. And that's where we began from. And you are the light of the world. What does that mean? See, this is a matter of fact. This earth is decaying. It will continue to decay. What, the only thing that will stop the decay is that salt is added to it. That was why we read from that book of Luke when he explained that, you know, if you read only from Matthew, you may not fully get it. But from Luke, he explained to us, we read from where now? Luke chapter 14. He says, salt is good, but even if salt has become tasteless, how will it be seasoned? It is useless either for the soil as a fertilizer or for the manure pile as a preservative to prevent decay. So on this earth, we are put there as salt of the earth, people of God. What was our job? To fertilize the earth and to prevent decay. You know, sometimes when you see Americans and Europeans do some things, now, one of the things I've learned when I was young, I thought something would never happen in my lifetime. I thought homosexuality, all those stuff like that was, so, was in Sodom. And I didn't know I was living in Sodom. I thought it was in Sodom in the Bible. By the time I grew up, it was already, if it was now mainstream, maybe not in our part of the world, and which is very important. It's important. Africa, please, eh? don't even try it. You don't have enough reserve. There's what we call reserve. You know what they call reserve? Let me give you an example. Most things in life, God created reserve. Let me give you an example now. That's why you can donate a kidney. 
Actually, you can do with one. You can. One kidney is good enough for you. Why did God give you two? Kidney is so important in the reserve. Yes. Your heart, funny enough, if you are healthy, your heart can do three times the amount of work it's doing right now. We call it cardiac reserve. Yeah. So if it's pumping five liters a minute, 5.5, it can go up to 10, 12, 15. It's called cardiac reserve. Everything has reserve. Your liver, if I remove half of your liver, you won't notice. You won't even notice it. You won't be sick for two days. Just continue moving like nothing happened. And that's again is why people can donate livers. They can take liver from somebody. Just clear this way. You cleave it, take about one third of it. That, that, the one you take is not for the other guy who doesn't have one. Life has a reserve. But some people, their kidney is sick. You don't know. You know why? The reserve is, has taken care of the rest. Such people, please, when they are selling all this bottle thing, Drink and get uh, this and that. Don't drink, please. When you drink, you don't have reserve. Oh. The boys who are drinking, they are managing to <laughs> they are using their reserve. Those things kill kidney. People don't know. You all put all kinds of roots inside alcohol for you. You, you drink and shake your head. Listen. <laughs> I'm warning you. Now, you know what I'm trying to say, so? You see this Oyimbo people that are doing some things? They are using reserve of blessing. Those things bring decay. But they have so much reserve, we don't notice it yet. African guys, please, my brethren, you don't have reserve. The day you legalize gay marriage, headsmen will kill all of you. I know what I'm telling you. The rain will not fall again. You can't even preserve grain. Do you know how much of our produce we waste? From the time we harvest to metal till it gets to the market, do you know how much is lost? So, if you now have God blow fungus on the one in the market because you went and legalized homosexual marriages, my hand not deal. In fact, if you try to turn that fire, you are ahead of time. Say amen, thank you. Amen. Let me go and come and cause Wahala for us. You are managing things right now. You want to now go and put. We don't have enough reserve. As a people, but as the people of God, thank God we won't even do those things anyway. Now, talking about decay. So, thank God for Africa. Because I've noticed on this from observation that God has used us to prevent some things from spreading. The, the, uh, is it um, uh, Kenyatta? The, the, the former yeah, president of Kenya. Hey, gay rights, he said that's not our problem. Abortion rights say hunger is more important to us than right to abort somebody. Here we preserve the unborn. It was speaking. It, 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 there was no. Uh, he said, "Please." He said, "The women." He said, "The women." Are, he said, "The women want jobs. They want business. They want. They want." He said, "This one you are telling them that they must have a reproductive rights." He said, "They are not." He said, "It's not their problem. Give them work. They will have their children and take care of the children." They, they tried to press him. The guy said, "No." Then the, the crazy Anglican church, the crazy one, they had a synod years ago. The African bishop here, he went there. Say, all of you, you are demon-possessed. I do free demon casting. No, he told them that if you need demons cast out of you, you can see me. I will cast these demons out. Why are we here discussing whether our priests 
can marry men. Whether openly homosexual people can be ordained as priests. Is that what we should be discussing? I can lie, he told them flat. These are demonic issues. We should be casting out demons. He told them flat. Lie, lie. This will not happen while I watch. Direct Prince, who heard this story, he wasn't there. He heard the story later. I saw a video of him. He was so excited. He said, Thank God for the African bishops. Because he heard the story of the synod. He was still alive that time. He said, Thank God for the African bishops. I believe that God is using us to, start, to, to stem a particular tide. To say, no, thus far and no further. Amen. A small aside. People of God, understand something. You must never sell your principles for money. Many of us will go to Europe. We'll go to North America. Please stand for what you believe. You know the worst they will do? Kick you back home. If they sack you, you know what you do? Enter the next plane and come back home. Say you're back home here. Why? I refuse to recognize homosexual marriages. One of our brothers told me the other day, he said, Pastor, it's happening in the office. There's one guy in his office got married. Everybody's congratulating him. I've not congratulated him. I said, why not? He said, because he married a man. He said, they're all looking at me funny. I said, let them keep looking. And if they ask you, tell them I'm an African and I'm a Christian. That's against my principles. God expects you to do that. You know the worst they will do? They will sack you. And that's what the Bible calls persecution for righteousness sake. What we want to do is manage so that we don't get sacked. Do you know keeping quiet can be a sin? Tolerating Jezebel is a problem. They say, teachers come to UK, come and teach. Please go if you want to go. I don't have a problem with that. But be careful before God punishes you. Because if, if they say you cannot correct unrighteousness in children, please resign that job. If they give you curriculum to tell children, you know, you don't know whether you're a boy again until you're seven. Tell them, Oga, I discovered I was a boy when I went to P at the age of six months of age. That not, uh, not six years old, six months. Say, so I found out. Say, no, 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 you can't know. I can know. Doesn't matter. Teach. You see, you can't lie to children and go scot-free. You know, a lot of us don't understand. We just think that, no, hey, why didn't they tell me to say, I'll say it. <laughs> you know, I was reading notes, you know, correcting notes for teachers in Soda. When they talk about disadvantages of large family and advantages of small family. Small, uh, large family, they, there's always quarrel. I said, who told you? I called the teacher. I said, who told you? <laughs> who told you? When ungodly people gather, they quarrel. I've seen people that are only two in the family, they killed each other with knife. It's in the textbook. I told the teacher, if you try that in this school, you want God to punish you and punish me, join. Join my wife, everybody punish it. So this is why this school exists. It's in the book, tell them that this book says this is a lie. When there's Jesus in a family, it's a happy home. It's not the number of people there. Now, I'm not saying you should marry many wives, though. I just want to explain something. No, no. I'm not thinking what I'm saying. I, don't laugh until I say what I want to say. Mm. The traditional ruler of my hometown, not the current one now, some years ago, he had 200 children. Now, that's not the gist. That's not the, that's not the gist. Every one of them highly educated. His son that took the throne after him was a senior advocate. The first um, 
African head of one international something lawyers is his daughter. You get to his house, you find people who are very school. They went to school. Large family is not the problem. Poverty is the problem. Say so large family is a poverty. It's not true. Those days, the people will farm. Yeah. Yeah. Who told the last family is a poverty? What kind of nonsense is this one? The word of God says, children are the heritage of the Lord. And the fruit of the womb is a reward. And it's a blessing to have a quiver full. And don't tell me that nonsense. Depends on the size of your quiver. You should be able to read in context. You're talking about abundance here. So I told them, I said, don't talk nonsense here. They say, evolution. If you teach evolution here, let me not say more than that. I mean, these are children. You, if I'm the one, the way I'll say it. Say, those who don't understand the truth, they say, there was one confused man called Dalton. Not Dalton, what is his name? Darwin. Darwin in his confused state, he said this. So these are his theories. Crazy man, but he said it. Let's just look at what he said. But we don't believe it. How did you come into existence? God made us. I, I can even teach that to you. I do it with students. And show, I hope you know physics, mathematics, but it's been shown that all this is a lie. The only reason why they are still teaching it is politics. Oh, yes. It's been shown that everything is a lie. A man proved it that it is, it is statistically more it's for, a, for, a, for, for bacteria, not bacteria, the full bacterium, all right? Just a particular enzyme. One particular enzyme we need in metabolism in this world. The man showed that it is easier, if we're talking about chance, for people to just walk into uh, Namdi Azikiwe Stadium and sit down. And they will sit in perfect alphabetical order without anybody arranging them. He says it's easier for that to happen than for that enzyme to have developed out of nothing. And he said, for them to sit in perfect alphabetical order, with anybody arranging them of their names, and to do it in 10 consecutive games. He said that is more probable than for an enzyme to come out of nothing. And the man is a professor of advanced mathematics and physics. And biology. That's what they call astrophysics and astrobiology. It's not a man that doesn't know anything. What I'm going to say is that, please, we, we stem the tide of corruption. Sometimes we actually have to take persecution. So we are not amongst those who spread the corruption. We are the salt of the earth. Let me end it here because of time. Let me just end it here. I'm just going to explain something. This is actually where I wanted to start from. Everything I've said today, I'm, I know you are used to it, so. You know, what I try to do is not to quench the spirit. There is a particular order in which blessings come. Let me now explain this. Remember I said that we are channels of blessing. Remember that? We are channels of blessing. This is what God does. Poverty comes this way. Listen to the order of poverty. This is how poverty comes. Listen carefully. First, spiritually, there's a pronouncement. Cursed be Canaan. A servant of servants he will be. That's what people call generational curses. Just by the way. The problem I have with generational curses is that you can't apply to Christians. I'm not saying they don't exist. Some people think I say it doesn't exist. No, I never said so. I said for believers, they have been delivered in Christ. But that's what people call generational curses. A pronouncement can be made that nobody in this 
lineage will ever make it in life. It happens. Noah uttered one when his second son, Ham, sinned against him. He said, Cursed be Canaan. A servant of servants he will be. I don't have time to talk about that now. Why did he say Canaan? People have given all kinds of reasons. My own understanding is simple. He did not say Canaan. He said Ham. This leprosy will be on Gehazi and what? His descendants. It's, you see the scripture. It's always the person that sinned. Why did he mention Canaan? It was a specific narrative. It was upon the four sons. Cush put Mizraim and Canaan. But Moses was about to take the land of Canaan. So it was explained to them that there is already a judgment that's allowing us to do this. So I can apply to all of them. But let's not go into that in details. The point I want to make is that that curse was released. People have argued with me. I believe. I have no doubt in my mind that most African nations are still participating in that curse till today. I say it. Look, I don't doubt it. And if you see where they spread, show me one place where they spread to and they are not the bottom of the ladder. Show, just mention one place. We are spread all over the world. Even in India, they are there. But always at the bottom of the ladder. If you think that is natural, I don't know how you are reasoning. I don't know how you are reasoning. It can't be natural. It can't be natural. It cannot be natural. So a curse was placed there. That's number one level. Poverty can start with what? It curse. A spiritual level. At that spiritual level, something negative has been tossed inside. Second level. When a spiritual thing has been set in motion, it doesn't just come to pass. Just like we are spirit, soul, and body, so spiritual things like that in every ramification. It doesn't just come to pass. What the curse starts doing is to persuade us to activate it generation by generation. You know, Spiritual things are like this. Oh, how do I say this now? You have been blessed does not mean you'll be blessed tomorrow. Tomorrow you have to activate the blessing that was spoken over you yesterday. I hope you get my point. It's there, but you have to activate it. You have to constantly activate your blessing. In the same manner, it's funny. Curses are also constantly activated. That's how spiritual things are. So, the man has been blessed. In this particular situation now, they've been cursed. But the curse can remain and not have any effect. So what that spirit does is to now move and start telling people, this is how to participate in a curse. They won't say it's a curse. They tell you you are going to get rich. Do you get my point? For example, your name is, what's the name of that man? Was he Abiatha? What was the one that carried the effort with David? Abiatha, right? That conspired with the Joab. Your name is Abiatha. The curse had come upon that family. Now let's look at when the curse came, before it came to light in the life of Abiathar. It was pronounced before Saul became king. It was pronounced before Samuel was born. Samuel was born after a prophet had visited Eli and placed a curse upon his household. That poverty will be their portion. I don't have time to read it now. You can go and read it. I just want to read the story from 1 Samuel. Now think about it. After that Samuel was born, Samuel was already an old man with sons before they asked for Saul. 
Saul was king for a long time. David took over. David died. Solomon took over before that curse had effect in the life of Abiathar. I, I, I didn't do much calculation, but we're not think, talking about less than 100 years here. Are we? Let's even just do It's not less than 100 years. So, it will look as if the curse did not have any effect in the life of Abiathar. But then one day, he conspired against the Lord's anointed. And the Lord's anointed, who had the command of God in his hands, destroyed all of them. But looked at Abiathar and said, you carried the effort before my father. I can't, I can't touch you. You go back home. You no longer be a priest. He sacked him to fulfill the word of God that was spoken against the household of Eli. What does that tell you? If Abiathar would just not have conspired against the Lord's anointed, he would have lived throughout his generation and not experienced that curse. Second level, therefore, when poverty wants to come, the poverty spirit goes around and starts teaching people negative spiritual things. He starts telling a man, you can make more money if you just lie. The man lies, he does not know he's activating poverty. You and that man made an agreement. Back out of it. This man will give you more money. He breaks his word to make more money. He does not know what is activating the spirit of what? Poverty. He starts teaching him to be lazy. See what I'm saying? He starts teaching him a lot of negative things. After a few generations, then they start getting frustrated. By the third generation, now see people believe that there's no need to work. My power work, what do you see? Work now scam. Thank you. They tell you school now scam. You've heard it now? Yeah, a new generation has been taught poverty. They have been taught poverty. School now scam. Before you know what's happening, you come. Listen to this. You see poor people. You see their lifestyle. And you think it is because of their lifestyle alone. No. The curse produced a lifestyle in keeping with poverty. And the third level by which that thing happens, is other things start happening like natural disasters. They plant, locusts will come, eat. They plant, the rain refuses to fall. And why does the rain refuse to fall? Not because of the curse. It's because go look among those useless, lazy men. They are all adulterers. Next thing they know, because they are poor, you know what happens? Every stranger that passes through, they, 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 they rob. So because of their robberies and their sexual immorality, the heaven over them shuts down. And there's no longer dew or rain. Three levels of poverty renders them so poor that one day God will decide they are too useless to be on this earth. He now brings colonial masters who come and makes all of them slaves in his mercy. Because were enough for the colonial masters, he would have had to destroy all of them with disease, wild beasts, and natural disasters. So he said, instead of them being destroyed like that, make them what? Make them what? To fulfill the word of the Lord from the mouth of Noah that says, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants he will be. And their children are saying that white man pay reparations. Go and collect your reparation from Noah. <laughs> oh God, let me end my message here. But I don't want to end it on a negative note. Where I was going is the positive side. When God now wants to bless the people. Somebody say blessing. blessing. Somebody say blessing. blessing. 
he also starts from that end. He said, first, I hereby bless you with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That if you believe, no matter who your ancestor is, you are passed out of darkness, you are passed into light, you are passed out of death, you are passed into life, you are passed out from under the curse into the blessing. All things have passed away in your life. And that is the position of every believer in Christ Jesus. We'll come back to this next time. Next, he now says, we'll serve the spiritual side. Come, ye children, listen to me. And I will teach you the practical fear of the Lord. Do you get my point? So we start learning words. And it comes in two categories. It teaches us how to walk, how to rest, how to labor, how to sleep, how to invest, how to spend. But that's not the foundation. That's our trying to activate the blessing we already have. It now teaches us how to be people of honor. How to prevent defilement of flesh and spirit. How to make agreements and keep them. Then when we do these things, then the heaven over us begins to pour down what? Rain. And you put that together. One generation, two generations, and you can't find one poor person in the midst of them. Those who don't understand will come and say, look at the way they work. Look at the way they invest. No, that's not where it began from. It began from the fact that they believed in Jesus Christ. And he wiped out all the curses that kept them down. What am I saying? This nation is blessed because of you. Say amen to that. Spiritually, you bring forth a blessing. And then you start listening to this. Very important. As a result of that, you will start bringing forth real habits. Practical habits that show people what is right to do. I always give two examples here. And let me just mention their names and I close with it. Henry Ford. I mentioned him earlier. And the first said, 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 listen, if you manufacture a machine, it bears your name, not the name of the person who bought it. He said, if you are driving a Ford, are you driving your own name? What are you driving? Ford. He said, my integrity is on that machine, not yours. For that reason, it's my responsibility to keep it running. So far as your warranties. So he put service stations all over America. If your Ford spoils, go call somebody who will fix it. He said, my engine is designed never to spoil. So what about those who are working with me? They should be able to drive the car. The man jacked up their, their salaries. He had habits that made not, he wasn't trying to be rich. But in the process, he made many people rich and ended up being very rich himself. Let me just start with his own example. So what does the life of Christ that we have start doing to us? He starts showing us what is right to do. The things that people do that produce outward results. I hope you're getting my point. And that was what Jesus meant when he said, you are the light of the world. You teach people what to do. And that's why I say, Christians, how, why do we do business? Can you remind me of a few of them? Number one, to be a blessing. To be a blessing. If you are good at designing clothes, and you are teaching in the class, when are we going to wear your clothes? I hope you're getting my point. So you will start a small business. Why? That skill, it has to bless us. Give me another one. To establish righteousness. What do we mean by righteousness? You want to tell people this is the right way to do it. If you give somebody an appointment by 12 o'clock, it has to be by 12 o'clock. So after you practice for some time, everybody starts learning from you. I don't have time. Number three? To make a good name for the Lord. Remember, you are known. He's known because of you. 
He was called the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. People's names must describe the God they serve. Your reputation must describe the God you serve. Oh, that one is a Christian. Don't worry. You bring your money. I paid him. I didn't. He said, "No, that man. Oh, don't worry. Maybe he travel. He'll be back." Give me another one. I said to fill the midst of you, also with righteousness. But the point I'm making all of this is this: the reason why we do business is not just to eat. One major thing we are doing is what establishing righteousness. That was what God meant. What Jesus meant when He said, "You are what." The light of the world. Salt prevents decay from spreading. But light teaches the world the right thing to do. Let me say it again. This nation is blessed because of you. Amen. Your family is blessed because of you. Amen. And me, I, I can't go. Sorry. Anointed in my head. Quench not the spirit. Hmm? I don't worry. I finished my teaching. I want to talk to some, some people. There are families here, alright? When I say families now, you have, of course, everybody has a father and a mother. But you are grown up. Everybody in the family is grown. Maybe like four, five of you. They tell your grandfather divorced his wife. <laughs> your, of course, you know your father and your mother. They didn't do well. You probably even grew up with a stepmother. All right? Your senior brother has started. He and his wife have been living apart now for the last three months. And your wife has been annoying you now for some time. Hey, by the way, I hope you know that is normal. If you have been married for up to one year here, I don't want this to be married three days ago. I mean, one year. And your wife has never annoyed you enough for you not to talk to her for. I know some of you say, before the night is over, uh, before the, I, 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 I always reconcile. It's Judah that says things like that. He's single. He doesn't know anything. <laughs> Those of us who have been married, we won't talk to you for one week. Why? The anger is too much. We are fasting and praying to get rid of it. <laughs> We're not saying this is good, though. We're just saying life is hard. <laughs> Even when we're talking to you with our mouth, we're not talking to you with our hearts. So if I'm the only wicked person here, the rest of you who are very holy, say amen. See us all of them keep quiet. <laughs> because we're all in the same boat. Now what I'm trying to say is this. So that your wife and your husband and you now not Martin. We're not saying it's good, though. Okay, it's not normal. It's an abnormal thing that's very common. <laughs> Do you like it like that? It's an abnormal thing, but it's very common. It's affecting your brethren everywhere. Most of the time, you're the one that has a problem anyway. Maybe you're in a bad mood. There are days like that. As I haven't told you before, you go to the ATM, you put in the card. Your guy says you have paid the money, so you're so sure. Maybe now your phone will work. You put in the card. Ping, 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 ping. Insufficient balance. Me, me, me. That's your card. It's spitting out for you. He <laughs> you threw out your card. So you are angry with the guy who's supposed to credit you money. You now get home. You are eating egg. Why is there so, so, so much salt in this egg? You want to cut somebody's tongue? You want to cut somebody's tongue? <laughs> your wife is wondering there. What's all this noise? Over egg. All of this from ATM. It happens. It's not enough to divorce anybody. Do you get my point? Mm-hmm. I'm talking to somebody here. So, your brother has been living apart from his wife for some time now. And then he now start telling you there's a generational curse. Is there a generational curse? From what we have said, it's possible. But did you notice that all of you go to church? So, that generational curse should not apply. 
That's what I'm saying. You know what God has put in that family for? You'll be the light. Because one thing that generational curse did was to teach bad habits to all of you. The habits don't go away. Because you gave your life to Christ. People have been born again and they are still in the goal of bitterness and therefore they were in the bondage of iniquity. That was what Peter said to Simon. So the curse has been broken, but the habit has not. So what God does is to lift one person up and I'm talking to somebody listening to me today. And says, you, go and learn. And then, after a while, everybody, your mother will say, or you're one of your aunties. Look at this person. Why are you not behaving like him? And they will notice that you and your wife, you've had disagreements, but you always reconcile. They see people are always happy. Or at least, most of the time they see. The kind of problems they have. In fact, you never report. You know that's one thing. You never report anybody to them. So all these verses, the verse for house. Now inside your belly, when you go to the toilet, it stays there. You don't go. Can I quickly drop something for everybody here? I have noticed something when I'm angry with my wife that it doesn't benefit anybody. And, you know, which, the anger you can't tell somebody about is the most painful one. <laughs> Do you understand my point? If somebody annoys you now, you can go and gist him. Can you imagine? So, you vent. This one, you can't tell anybody. For, in the interest of peace, just forget it. That's what I have noticed. This last year, I made it. I didn't make it well, but I tried. I said, from the this particular time, the rest of the year, no matter what my wife does, I won't get angry. Do you know what I found out? Anytime I was able to do it, it was nice. Because if you're angry, and it lasts for 24 hours. Do you know who's losing? You. If you can forget after one hour, that's 23 hours of, of happiness, of peace. And that anger you care for 24 hours, the funny thing I know is that it doesn't produce anything. It doesn't make you richer. It doesn't heal your diseases. It doesn't even make the food they are giving you better in the house. So who's benefiting? That's a smaller side. But the person I'm talking to, you don't talk to, your, to anybody. You don't, go to, you don't call. For, and some men are very stupid. They go and call family discussion on something their wife did at home. Don't you know that those people, they don't believe you. They don't believe her. They always believe you. Unless you are really wicked. And some people know that my brother is a madman. They know. As you are talking, say, my brother, I know he is not normal. But most people, they are not like that. They, they will believe you first. Ah, yes. If you must report your wife, please report her to maybe your friends. Because your friends always want to reconcile you. But family wants to defend their own first. This guy with my life two years ago. They've known you for 30 years. You're always right. It's even worse now when you are rich and you have been helping them. There's nothing you can do wrong now. Uh, what can you do wrong? Nothing. Everything you do is correct. You are very wicked, but you are right because you have money and you are sharing it. You know, there are some people, they have money, they don't share it. Their wife is always correct. Anything you say, don't mind him. <laughs> That's just by the way. So what I'm trying to say is this. Please, don't carry your family matter to your siblings, your mother. No, please don't do that. If you have to, Talk with friends. Talk with brethren. Do you understand what I'm saying? Anyway, I'm still talking to somebody. So they've seen it. That you are at peace. Now I want you to know what God is doing with it. He's using your life to redeem the whole family. 
Never forget it. When you bear that in mind, do you know you'll even work harder than before on your own life and thereby on your own relationship, on your own marriage? Because it's not just about you. You know, and I can prove to you from scripture, what did Jesus say? He says, Simon, Simon, Satan has, let me give the, the literal Greek, Satan has demanded, it was not just desire, he came with petition before God to sift you all, all, uh, sift you all like wheat. All of you be blown away. That they are the chaffle. Blow, blow all of them away. He said, but I have prayed for you. There's a spiritual thing there. Why didn't he pray for all of them? The intercession was not going to work. So he had to focus his energy on one. I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. This is where I'm going. He said, now when you are converted, what do you do? Turn around and strengthen your brethren. So I'm giving somebody a word from God today. Now that you have been converted, you are going to strengthen that whole family. Because of you, no marriage will break down again. Amen. Three generations before they broke down. Breakdown has become a habit. It can be because somebody actually literally placed a curse. Maybe your great-grandfather took somebody's wife. Yeah, it happens. And the person said, this man, his descendants will never have peace in the home. And God will stamp it done. But when Jesus comes, he takes the ordinance written against you. He tears it and throws it away. Nails it to his cross. Say, so, yeah, that man's descendant, yes, but this one is now my descendant. And then one spirit whispered to your father, go to church. And he dragged all of you to church. Thereby throwing away that ordinance. But remember I said those spirits always teach habits. So the habits cannot be nailed easily like that. So Jesus said, I have prayed for you. That your faith will not fail. Now that you have been converted, what are you going to do? Strengthen your brethren. And what am I saying to you? This is the word of the Lord. First place you strengthen people from is by being strong yourself. A drowning man does not save anybody. I hope you're getting my point. So you are going to practice righteousness and shine as what? Light. Let your light so shine. Your marriage in that home will shine. Again, please, let me talk. People are, poverty has been pronounced on families. Yes, it's true. But you know what Jesus did? He came. Because those people, they, they, look, what they did was right. That is the petition. They came and said, this man defrauded us. He defrauded us. He will ne-. Look, go and read the scriptures. The curse placed upon the, against the house of Eli. And also a thief. The curse of the Lord is in the house of a thief. Curse said to Eli, there will be none that it will never happen that there will not be one in your house that's begging for bread. Curses exist. It was the, the petition, the judge of the heavens and the earth, and he said, done, granted. Everybody has been, they labor. They labor. They will plant. It's their farm that heads men will go. That's the way godly erosion will pass, their own land. But you know what? God said, go to church. And somebody went to church. That's why you're a Christian today. And let me tell you, Jesus came, took that decree, tore it, and nailed it to his cross. What I'm saying, poverty has been broken in your life. That whole family, poverty has been broken. But don't forget what I said. That the poverty spirit teaches bad habits. Not just the natural disasters and all of that. It teaches bad habits. 
Those bad, those bad habits don't just go away like that. People now have to learn. So you are going to learn. You will learn industry. You will learn diligence. You will learn faithfulness. You will learn patience. You will learn to value the things that are excellent. You will learn to value a good name more than silver and gold. You will learn not to love money because the decree of God is that whoever loves money will not have enough. Yes. These are the things you will put together. And then to the shock of people, you will prosper. But remember, when you are converted, what do you do? Strengthen your brethren. Please teach everybody else in the house what is right to do. It's not just about handing out money. Your brother has always complained. Say, oh, bros, come. Why didn't you take this job? They don't pay much. That's the problem. You're not the only graduate in this life. Take that job and walk. Drag him to church. Let him learn the principles of the kingdom. Now, if he walks, he will prosper. Do you know why? The curse has now been broken. The word is not hanging on him again. That if he looks for much, he'll come to little. God said, go and look for much now. I will make it come in abundance. You know, you are the light of that home. I have noticed something. God has this habit. I've seen it a lot. Now, you find a family, father, mother, four, five, six, seven children. Occasionally, you find a family that everybody is born again. Everybody is hot for the Lord. That's not common. Surely when you see that, one of the parents, at least, was hot. What you typically see is out of the six, only one. What you typically see is out of seven, only one. What you typically see is out of four, only one. Nobody else in the house is born again or serious with the Lord. You know why God, about you? You, that person, God struggled to get you. Jesus said, I can't pray for everybody. I have prayed for you. Did not know he had 12 disciples? Why didn't he pray for Judas that his faith will not fail? That guy's faith was going to fail, man. In fact, he failed. <laughs> he failed long ago. Why didn't he pray for the other people? Why did he pray only for Peter? You know what I think? He was, look, people say, why didn't that Abraham just ask for five? Abraham asked for five. Jesus said no. It was just not recorded for us. He didn't go below that ten. Because nine was not acceptable. In the same manner, sometimes when Jesus said, I've prayed for you, Peter, that your faith will not fail. He had his reasons. God fought tooth and toenail to get you out of that family. And I said, you, you have a job. Don't feel righteous, though. feel responsible. What did I say? No, that's not what I said. That is when your sister is misbehaving, get on your knees and pray. When your brother is misbehaving, get on your knees and pray. It's a responsibility that he gave. Bow your heads. I have to stop here. Pray for the bottom from the bottom of your heart. Pray from the bottom of your heart.
There's deliverance. You see, Jesus delivered us, really. He did. It's not just preaching. Curses are real, but deliverance is even more real. You have two responsibilities now. One, you have to live in righteousness. You have to walk in, you have to learn practical righteousness. Let your light so shine. That's what Jesus said. He said, let your light so shine. Let your light so shine. That's what he says. Take heed to yourself first. That's what he said. What am I saying this, at this time? That this light will shine. I, it's so strong in my heart. You have to redeem the people around you. There are people that have been connected with. That's the word of the Lord. He said, I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. But now you, when you are restored, when you are converted, you will strengthen them. You will pray for them. You will teach them righteousness. Never follow them, please. I beg you in the name of the Lord. You are condemning everybody again. Don't follow. Oh, initially you'll be, you'll be the odd one out. You'll be the odd one. Remember, Jesus Christ. James that wrote the book. Jude that wrote those books. Those two books in the Bible. They did not believe in Jesus at that time. If Jesus had followed, they, they were his brothers. If he had followed them, there will, no book, there will be no book of James. There will, not be, there will be no book of Jude. You have to stand out and be different. You have to know something is different about you. Everybody will be running up, up and down looking for money. You, you will not run. Remember, you can't break the spirit of poverty with money. You can't. You, you can only break the spirit of poverty with disdain for money. You will tell money, you don't have power over me. Whether I have you or not, I will still accomplish the will of God for my life. You will tell money, get out of there. You can't be in the church and say, money, come. Why do we love money so much? Tell money, whether I have plenty or I have little, I will still fulfill the call of God. You can't, you see, it's not possible to love money into deliverance. It's not possible. If you want to be delivered from poverty, you have to hate money. You will say to money, get out. Are you God? Get out. I will not worship you. Get out. I worship God alone. You will say to money, man does not live by bread alone. You will say to money, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of things which he possesses. Enough of Christians using God, you know, to get money. They are serving mammon. God is a tool. No, 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 no. Enough of that. Enough of that. Enough of that. If you want to be delivered from the spirit of poverty, you have to look money in the face and say, get behind me, Satan. There is a servant, not a lord. You have to say that to money. You don't follow, you don't fear what your people fear. You can't. I forbid you in the name of the Lord. Don't go for that family deliverance. It's a lie. You want to go and dig something. That's not where your problem is. Give the Lord thanks this morning for deliverance. Give him thanks this morning for deliverance.